I'll be talking about more than just the Benjamins. Welcome to Fintech Beat, where finance, technology, and policy come together. I'm your host, Chris Brummer, and the future of finance is now. The economy is booming, but in directions that at least the Federal Reserve hadn't quite anticipated, with unprecedented inflation on the one hand accompanying historically low unemployment. Now, this is creating a stir in predictions as to just what this means, not only for jobs overall, but for the fintech job market, especially as we look forward to 2022. So to get some perspective, I've asked David Richardson, an executive recruiter from Hydric and Struggles, to return to the show and to offer some perspective. Now, listeners were wild earlier this spring with David's insider views, not just on this topic, but on the economy overall. And I wanted to offer the same treat as we head into the new year. So prepare yourselves for a conversation on what this all means for you and a sneak peek on the fintech jobs market of 2022. David, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Obviously, fintech is, as we've said many times on this show, a term of art and has lots of different meanings. But what are you seeing in terms of the fintech jobs market? And and is the fintech jobs market special? And if so, what are the drivers? You're right. In the intro, you said unprecedented. It has been 2021 has been an unprecedented year for sure. That's true in fintech. It's true in many, many other sectors and regions. Um for Hydrogen Struggles, client activity has surpassed prior records this year in multiple regions, multiple industries, and multiple function areas all at once, which I've never seen in my career. I don't know too many people that would ever say that they had seen that. When you and I last talked, we were talking about the emerging and the growth of areas like payments, e-commerce, crypto digital assets, and the demand that was creating on talent. And that has really continued. In fact, the velocity and the demand has increased. A lot of that has been driven by venture investing activity. So you pick up a paper, you read about the latest fund that's raised, the latest round that's raised. I actually had an experience that I don't think uh, I've had in my career previously where I misread a, a press quote about a client. I thought they'd raised at a billion-dollar valuation. Um, it actually raised a billion dollars. So, you know, that is just extraordinary. The, the growth of these businesses is unbelievable. And the demand for executive level talent in fintech has never been as strong as it is right now. You know, when I think of fintech, I think of a very large set of uh, potential players in the ecosystem um, AI, big data, machine learning. Quantum, uh, payments, stock trading apps, uh, as you mentioned, crypto. And when you look at that swath of industry, what do you see as those uh, pockets that are going to do or that are doing particularly well? And uh, are are there any regions in the United States or or even globally, after all, we have plenty of uh, international listeners uh, that are really especially hot uh, nowadays? Well, I think within the US and globally, the trend for remote work has had a huge impact on client demand. Previously, even forward-thinking tech 
companies in fintech had an office and had their executive team in the office five days a week or close to, and now you have companies that are fully remote. And that means that clients have a huge amount of flexibility about where they hire, who they hire, the background of the people that they hire. And that's a tremendous advantage. It's also incredibly complicated, not only assessing and making, you know, and hiring and onboarding someone, but also creating that culture. So you've seen these, you know, big events, companies coming together, particularly this time of year, trying to create a cohesive culture when you have a very disparate workforce. So I think the reality of that is that you it, it does mean that some of the executive level roles and board roles that would have otherwise been appointed somewhere in the US or London or a major uh, major city in Asia or Europe, some of those are now dispersed more broadly across the globe, which is good, I think, just for the dispersion of talent, but it also creates longer term challenges. I have to say that just figuring out whom to hire when you have highly distributed teams can't be, frankly, that easy. Uh, But to complicate it even more, how does it then play out for firms given their very different leverage and, frankly, habits in terms of how and whether they're investing in growth and, and how they're even financing that growth? Thinking about the ecosystem broadly, I think many of those areas of fintech have done extremely well and have reinvested the growth in hiring executive talent. You know, I think on the tech-enabled lending side, whether it's consumer or business or small business, those credit portfolios have done extremely well in the current environment, so much better than people had predicted in 2020. So the companies that have done there have done hiring, but I think they've been surprised at how those company, those portfolios have performed. So they've not had to do the kind of repair the business, band down the hatches, executive hires, and rebuild that perhaps they thought they were going to need to do in April 2020. So that's probably been less volume of demand and more about keeping capital invested and looking forward to the future. I personally believe I'm terrible at making predictions, so we'll see how wrong I was. As the macro environment changes going into 2022, some of those credit portfolios are going to face headwinds or challenges where they're going to need a different set of skill sets to get them out of it. One thing that you've seen in the past is that some of those tech-enabled lenders, they start appointing high-grade capital markets professionals to help them think about offloading loans on their balance sheet, securitization, partnering with financial institutions. That could be something that I think is the kind of indication that you're starting to have some of those forward-thinking companies get ahead of a change in credit conditions. On the other side of the businesses that have been the highest growth, which really I think still has been e-commerce payments, online payments, digitized payments, digital wallets, plus digital assets, crypto, and anything that's touching them, the amount of venture capital going into those sectors is still very, very high. So that's going to sustain demand for the foreseeable future. Once the invest, you know, once those that investment dries up, companies are going to restructure their businesses and have to think about conserving their burn. And that'll obviously have an impact on talent. You know, there was a lot in that answer. And it was so fascinating just even getting that that perspective. Um, you know, just as a kind of a running start into this big macro economic question, right? I mean, you know, we're in a world where right now, at least, uh, you know, we have very low unemployment, but at the same time, we have very high inflation, right? Um, you know, how is that impacting 
people now. I mean, I guess we're really at the the, the early phase of this new sort of economic condition. But like, are, are you seeing any any changes just in terms of um, um, either demand um, uh, or in terms of just you know even your your strategy, frankly, as an executive re- recruiter and, and and trying to identify potential pockets of talent. And then, I mean, you've started to get into that and thinking about uh, sort of, uh, you know, restructuring that could possibly occur if, if, if uh, um, economic conditions worsen. But what other kinds of larger secular changes could you imagine seeing in the fintech jobs market? Well, I think right now it's um, extremely operator friendly, meaning that for executives who have in-demand skills, executives or board members that have in-demand skills, yeah, they they have a huge amount of power in negotiating. So obviously, that means that you see favorable terms to those executives, financial and otherwise, equity. It could be legal terms as well. The market is pretty efficient. So at some point, that changes. But I have no idea whether that happens months or years down the road. You are starting to see a lot of non financial, non-tech or non-fintech companies building and or spinning out and or partnering with fintech capabilities, particularly in the payments area, where I think integrated payments, digital payments becomes less of a function and more of a core competence for consumer retailers. And that just has a whole load of potential consequences that it, that are tough to predict. You know, will some of these companies spin out fintech businesses? Um, which has happened in the past and, and happens all the time as well in, in tech with companies spin, gaming companies spinning out enterprise SaaS businesses, et cetera. So it might be that there's a new wave of that. I, I also think um, financial institutions, incumbent financial institutions are very smart at how they deploy their tech investments. And you're starting to see, again, a proliferation of consortium-backed deals in a whole range of different markets, particularly capital markets, tech, uh, market structure, data services, trading, post-trade, those sort of fundamental challenges to market efficiency, which are often based on a legacy tech, now is a really great time to start building the financial market infrastructure for the future. So we, we see a lot of work there. That's really hard. It takes time. It takes investment takes really specific industry knowledge, um, and it's B2B institution, so adoption is a challenge, but it is definitely something that I think will be a 10, 20-year theme. The stuff that's being built right now will endure. Yeah, so usually when you see, you know, a higher inflationary environment, right, you know, the first thing that that tends to get hit if if you're, you know, a, an investor is uh, technology related stocks, right? You know, it's it's one of the first things to go, and so if, you know, you know, people tend to perhaps pay a little bit more attention to say Nasdaq than even the NYSE or the S and P five hundred if, if in a high inflationary in, in environment. Is there a correlation between you know what happens in terms of asset pricing, particularly financial assets tied to technology, and the pricing of technology talent, right? Like, like, like in other words, do, do, would you expect to see um, not just a, a just sort of pressures uh, or more pressure being put on technology stocks relative to others, say manufacturing, that that you would expect to see the same thing happening for people who are uh, tied to finance and and technology? So for the executives and the board members that we deal with, 
whether they're going to a public company or a private company, a large proportion of their compensation is typically tied to a financial asset in some way. And so the sentiment of the market drives a lot of these offers. So in a in a recessionary environment, you know, companies are being required to make higher cash offers, base salary, cash bonuses, and the equity, whether it's private or public, perhaps has a discount factor applied to it, given the market conditions. And right now, we're on the other side of that coin, where you are seeing people negotiate pretty hard for equity, particularly equity or options, uh, high growth, late stage fintech businesses heading towards some kind of IPO window in the next couple of years. So people naturally kind of look at what's happened in the last year or so, and they sort of price the uh, the financial assets that they're being given based on the most recent market analogies. So what? So that's going to continue for as long as the market stays like that. And if um, if macroeconomic environment pulls down the average multiples in a particular sector, then that's obviously going to have an impact on the offers that people are being put out right now. I mean, the interesting thing about the a, a lot of press is made about executive compensation at the point of an S1 filing, you know, that's backward looking. No one has the benefit of knowing where the IPO is going to price when they negotiate their comp four years before that. So that's not the best indicator of where compensation is, but because it's public data, it typically is where clients and executives go to look at, you know, what the CXO of such and such a company made in the S1 filing. In your view, what are the uh, uh, skills that, you know, um, and we talked about this a little bit the last time on the, on the last conversation, you know, are, are you are you getting a sense as to, you know, uh, you know, there are lots of people in the fintech ecosystem, you know, you have the software engineers, you have um, the lawyers, the accountants, you know, the, uh, you know, the financiers and the like, uh, you, you seem to sort of indicate that 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 last category of the finance folks may may become relatively more important as the economic cycle changes but 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 even now as things are still relatively hot you know where do you see the most demand coming from so functionally uh, technology and engineering talent at the executive level has been incredibly high demand and will remain so you're particularly people who've scaled teams so what we hear from clients a lot is that they're they're building a new team, a new business, a new product, heading towards either as a public company launching a new division, as a private company heading towards you know some kind of exit or sale, and they want someone who's taken an engineering team of X and made it a multiple of X and done that in a modern, thoughtful environment. So that's an incredibly high demand, and I think the talent at the top of the, the talent that is qualified for those roles is pretty industry agnostic. If you're a CTO in a high-growth fintech business, you could potentially go into healthcare technology, consumer technology, enterprise SaaS. There are a number of different pockets you could go into. So that just means demand for talent is very aggressive. Same is true in financial offices. So CFOs with experience of taking companies public at scale, in extraordinarily high demand, and 
Um, that's going to remain for as long as the, the markets remain. And related functions to that, investor relations, corporate development, FP&A, all of those areas are seeing you know, very, very high demand. Chief people officers, particularly post-pandemic, right, where you're having to figure out work from home, culture, how do you get everyone engaged? How do you build a really strong talent acquisition employee value proposition that's global? Chief people officers, really, really key area. And I think Q3 onwards, we saw a huge uptick in demand for government affairs, regulatory, legal and compliance executives from the fintech community. I suspect that we're going to see that uptick sustained going into 2022 as you start to have regulatory actions, you know, government affairs, critical functions, and you're starting to see the smartest and the biggest players in the space really staff up aggressively in those functions, which generally means that you're, yeah, you're anticipating some kind of market change. So if you're going to say, you know, the big trend or or maybe the 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 unexpected curveball that could be coming out in 2022, because I know a lot of people are kind of uh, thinking about what they may be doing after they get their bonuses uh, and, and and whether or not they should move from their current jobs uh, and, and like, you know, what would be your sense as to sort of the, the, the biggest uh, uh, trend and, and and what do you think someone should really keep in mind if they do have a particular expertise or even interest in in terms of uh, moving into fintech? The bonus cycle this year is going to be fascinating because whether you're at an insurance company, bank, fund, legal firm, any number of different quote unquote traditional domain areas, I think the kind of mind share that some of these fintech companies have now is pretty powerful and compelling. Now, what I'd say to people is most public and most established companies are very efficient at paying you in comp. That means your walk away is going to be compensation. Your walk away is going to be uh, challenging. And so that's sort of a set, uh, a test of your risk aversion. So even though many, many people really like the idea of going and working into a fintech business, very few of them are going to make that move. I still think that the turnover of executives in financial services industry going into fintech in Q1 next year is going to be as high as it's ever been. And you're starting, I've had a number of clients talk to us um, about the surprising places where people are going. You know, they they don't they expect some of their direct competitors to come in and poach their top talent. That's not particularly surprising. But you're starting to see people in big senior roles moving to really small companies that their boss has never heard of. And that is extremely shocking and kind of a wake-up call to people that are in that space. So we'll see how that uh, that plays out going into next year. You know, I thought this was going to be the last question, but I did want to follow up on that last <laughs> okay. play of, of just sort of people leaving, right? I mean, obviously, when you read any newspaper, regardless as to whether or not they're senior executives or otherwise, you have a, a mass exodus of people sort of leaving their jobs writ, writ large. You know, uh, how does that general conversation, you know, how do you see that general conversation playing out in 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 fintech? I mean, is, is that the place where people are, are quitting and you know because they're they're burning out, or is that the de- you know are, is fintech a a beneficiary of that trend because that's where a lot of people are going, or or is this just something that uh, you know 
fintech is not immune to and and the you know businesses are going to have to keep up with with that overall secular change in the culture just like everyone else i i think fintech is not immune and they're going to have to keep up with it there's a there's a thing that i've been talking to a lot of my colleagues and clients about which i suspect is going to be an issue that we sort of rears its head 5 to 10 years down the road for the larger established financial institutions the mid-level talent which i think is where you've seen more turnover than necessarily at the top of the house Turn, to, turnover at the top of the house has been high but the real turnover has been in uh middle uh middle of the ranks those are people that will be that should have been in leadership roles in 5 to 10 years and there's a real risk if some of those people go to fintech and they never come back some will come back but some may never come back the next generation of C-suite leaders and the next CEO, that is going to be kind of thin for a lot of these financial institutions. And that's true of sell-side institutions, buy-side funds. And it also creates this really interesting kind of succession challenge, which we help all clients with a lot, succession and board build out. In financial institutions, the succession pile is going to risk getting thinner if more and more people leave the industry to go and do growth fintech or broader tech. And in addition to that, fintech is not immune from that because the amount of wealth that's been created in such a short time means that succession plans are going to need to be brought forward because you have a risk factor that founders who might have worked into their 50s, they might be able to retire in their 30s right now. Some of those people are going to work all the way through until their 80s. Uh, and this is what you sort of saw in the hedge fund industry and, and still see today. But some of these people are going to have really challenging succession issues that they need to deal with and building that talent pipeline and keeping it engaged and making sure that they're developed because you sort of fast-tracked the, uh, the, the monetization of the value uh, in some of these assets. David, as always, just a fascinating discussion. I think we're going to have to start having you by more than just twice a year. But uh, uh, <laughs> but thank you. Yes, no, 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 no one could see the Heisman Trophy or, or the uh, the DAP that you were just that, that you just gave me. But thank you very much. Uh, and and hey, look, have a great new year. And and thanks again for joining us on the beat. It's a pleasure. And let me just say uh, thank you so much to you. Uh, A pleasure. Always a pleasure coming on. Happy to come back anytime. What I was struck most by in David's conversation is that ultimately the job market for fintech isn't just a minute by minute statistic. Instead, companies, or at least good companies, think long and hard before hiring and that decisions to bring on board executives are just as impacted by practical considerations of a company's possible future headwinds as they are the logistics for hiring in a presently endemic COVID landscape. Most importantly, however, was the insight that at the end, as one becomes more senior, the very idea of skill is defined as much by what one accomplishes and presumably has experience to accomplish again as it is any particular technical expertise, which I think is useful to keep in mind, especially as we face a 2022 sure to have its set of opportunities and challenges. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And we'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to get in touch, just hit me up at Chris Brummer DR. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs>